We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns Podcast. Sam, the deadline has passed. How are you doing? Mike, NBA trade deadline number six for yeah. us. How are you doing? I feel great. I feel yeah. great. I'm, I, I'm pretty good too. I, I'm, you know. I feel like most of what we thought was going to happen. Well, let's just let's just call it like it was. It wasn't the most exciting. NBA trade deadline. I think that's something that Suns fans and national uh, just like NBA writers, pundits definitely agree on uh, in this year. But let's be honest. Also, we couldn't compete with last year's acquisition of Kevin freaking Durant. So all things considered, a relatively boring deadline where we did acquire one player. Kudos to us, but also literally everyone else who talked about this guy over the past two weeks. We did acquire one player who we talked about three days ago on our trade preview podcast. Yeah. Uh, and I would call it a success overall. I and one player good. nobody talked about. <laughs> yes. Shout out I, to I Gambo. Do you, think, do you think David Roddy was the player <laughs> that Gambo was referencing? He said, there's someone out here who no yeah. one is no one is even considering. Nobody yeah, has know. the foresight. Was that player <laughs> big body David Roddy, which, by the way, apparently is his uh, his nickname on Basketball Reference? Yeah, I mean, rightfully so. Six four, two fifty five is what he's listed at. Basically, Ish Wainwright, right? I mean, we can talk more about him in a minute, but we'll, that's we'll like get basically there. what Ish Wainwright was. We'll, we'll get uh, there. He fills he fills the vibes. He fills the uh, the, the the physical the thick boy so. vibes. Yeah, he's got it. He's got it. <laughs> The overall vibes of the entire trade deadline, I think you kind of nailed it, right? No Zach Levine trade, no DeJounte Murray trade. What the hell is Chicago doing, man? Yeah. (laughs) What? No, not even an Andre Drummond's, Torrey Craig, you know, like just like they're, yeah, that's not our problem, but (laughs) that's, that's a funny example of what not to do at a trade deadline when you're in a position like their franchise currently is. So now we're looking at what the Suns did because, yeah, as as far as the overall deadline, relatively boring for the Suns. It's funny because we spent the entirety of our last podcast making Nazir Little trades. 
And then they didn't trade him. They still got a guy we talked about, but they kept Nazir Little of all the players to keep that salary. They somehow took a bunch of players who just no longer played for the Suns, or if they did, we were always constantly unsure whether or not they should have been, mm-hmm. and turned them into at least one player who will get, will definitely get minutes on the Suns, and then another player who I think in David Roddy who probably won't, but we'll talk more about him in just a second. And the first one, of course, Royce O'Neal and then David Roddy. The players that were sent out were Keita Bates-Diop, Chemezi Metu, Yudo Watsonabe, and Jordan Goodwin uh, from the Suns with three of those guys going to the Nets and Yuda getting rerouted to Memphis um, and David Roddy coming to the Suns. I Well, I got to ask you, do you feel, what is your level of grief yeah. surrounding those four guys? Do you feel bad about any one of those four guys being well, shipped out? I, I mean, feel, I feel bad. I'll just say real quick. Like, I feel bad in the human sense. I know it's always yeah. hard to be traded. I know, like, fans and, and people, like, treat these guys just like numbers too often, and, and they're human beings. So I don't mean it in that sense, but just, like, your personal attachment watching them play basketball, does it sadden you to see any of those four go? I think, no, not, not like, I'm not going to miss watching them play in the Suns, but I am, I do have this sort of just general feeling of disappointment about you know, specifically two of these guys, I think in Keita Bates-Diop and Yuta Watsonabe, who I thought could at least play up to the level they were playing at last year. And had they played up to the level they were playing at last year, would have been better fits on the Suns this year and were overall disappointments for the Suns. With Chemezi Metu, Jordan Goodwin, I think I, at the very least, had really low expectations for them. I know some people expected Jordan Goodwin to be a backup point guard right away for the Suns. I never expected that, so it kind of helps with the way I feel now. Chemezi Metu, you and I were kind of confused, although we did have moments where we were a little more excited about him and what he was doing for the, the Suns. The Metu Militia. Right. It was a thi- it was a thing for like a month. I made it my whole personality. I'm not going <laughs> to pretend that I didn't adopt the Can't shy away from that, yeah. The yeah, that was that was part of who I was for like all of November and December because he played well. I will always yeah. remember, for instance, the Chemezi Metu yeah, the Chemezi Metsu <laughs> Christmas game against Luka Doncic where he had like 25 and 19. Yeah, of it's course true. I'll remember that. It was awesome. Christmas. You will always yeah. remember the reaction meme picture of him, which might have just been, in hindsight, him fixing a contact. I don't know what it actually was. <laughs> or if he was just like keeping his eyes as wide open as he possibly could just to be funny. Uh, but the camera on the Suns broadcast caught him for a second, and you took that screen grab and brought it to Twitter and the rest is history. It was, it yeah. was great. I got a good laugh out of that one. Yeah. But like, ultimately it is four guys who either didn't play at all for the Suns in three of them or Kata Bates Diop where like, even just him being not a complete negative was so huge for this team that it was clear that his, he was not to be relied on and credit to, to James Jones for that because he, he turned four, I mean, ultimately for this team, useless players into a player in Royce O'Neal who who could play minutes in the playoffs and will play, assuming yeah. a healthy team, minutes in the playoffs for this team. Uh, a, a player who is, you know, traditionally a 3 and D player. You know, we've kind of put that name on a lot of different types of players in the NBA. Royce O'Neal is that mold is he a great version of that? No, he's he's better than what we had coming off the bench, and that's no what doubt. he's likely going to be doing. So he's definitely an upgrade for the Suns. 
And I, I, I think he's just a really good fit on this team. And, and it just, I don't think it's going to throw them off as far as what they can or can't do. And I think he's big enough to guard bigger players on this team when we need that kind of body to do it. It'd be nice if he was an inch or two taller, but we got what we get with this uh, route. By the way, I should mention three second round picks going out in this trade from the Suns as well. That's how they were able to yeah, get have, this guy. Um, I have been uh, unable to check my phone actually for the past few hours since we yeah. hit record here. So did they confirm? Are those the two Memphis seconds? And then what was the third one? Was that confirmed? Uh, yes, it was confirmed. No, I don't have it in front of me. Okay, that's okay. Uh, but the Suns have one second round pick left to trade, which they obviously did not trade. So sure. uh, it's it's a future pick. So it's <clears> something that they could potentially move in the future. But I guess um, I, <laughs> I'm interested in getting to the Royce O'Neal. Obviously, that's the big piece here. The Royce O'Neal scouting report in a second. But real quick, what you're talking about with the four guys that we sent out. I think there's a couple different ways that people could look at it, and there's a couple different ways that they are looking at it. And the way you'll see some pessimists look at it, obviously, is to say, you're talking about James Jones. Well, it's in a way an indictment of the offseason that James Jones just had. Right. They pulled the plug. Yeah. They sold us a false bill of goods. uh, And and we did did that too. We (laughs) were excited about these guys. And to all of you guys who listened to us, yeah, Yeah. over the offseason, I'm sorry. If I personally told you that Kate of Hates Diop was going to be a rock-solid fifth starter... He was better. Then, uh, then I'm sorry. Uh, but, so, okay, so there's there's two ways of looking at it, right? There's the pessimist way of looking at it, which is, why should we trust James Jones any more in his talent evaluation skills now than we did five months ago when he failed? He failed when he brought us Yuta Watanabe and he brought us Kate of Hates Diop. I think, to what you were saying a second ago, it's a positive sign that he knew when to pull the plug. It's... Yeah. uh. You know, it, it would have been much worse for this organization. And I think if you look around the league, there certainly are examples of front office executives who are stubborn uh, and who refuse maybe even A, to experiment, but then B, more importantly, refuse to pull the plug and, and admit when something isn't working. And after half the season, look, it took us this long to finally get more than a handful of games of our big three healthy together. Um, it, it was time to admit that the experiment with these bench players just was not working and that there was no amount of experimentation that Frank Vogel could do, I think, uh, to just get Yuta Watanabe to play like a rotation player, to get Keita Bates yeah. Diop to play like a rotation player. And so ultimately, at the end of the day, now we can talk about Royce O'Neal, but the bottom line here is you sent out four guys who you had no faith in to play in the playoffs. You get back Royce O'Neal, who we absolutely have faith to play in an NBA playoff rotation. David Roddy, question mark. The two buyout spots will get there at the end of the episode. Obviously, question marks. But already we're operating from a place of growth because you left out four guys who you just did not trust and you added. You got a net gain of one player who you can trust in a playoff rotation. At the very least, that much is a win for this team. It is funny that this is... Because of the second apron rules, as of next season, after this deadline, essentially, the Suns can no longer aggregate players in a trade, meaning they can't combine two players to get one player back. So they just threw four players together. They aggregated essentially as many as you can aggregate in their last trade before they're in those second apron rules next year uh, to get the players back that they did get. And I, I, I was really surprised by this move for multiple reasons. One, I mentioned it, no Nazir Little. And two, David Roddy, completely off the radar uh, for the Suns. But I, I agree with everything you said. I think with Royce O'Neal, he's, you know, the thing about KBD, Yuda, 
they're younger players and we talked about this as a positive which is a positive for the Suns in that they had the ability to potentially raise the ceiling of what they could have been as a player but that also means that their resumes are not as rock solid as say a 30 year old Royce O'Neal who's been in the NBA a long time and we just sort of understand what he is as a player and and been and, in a lot of playoff series compared to those yeah. guys too this is not a th- uh, let me think who would be an example of a 30 year old NBA player who's barely been in a playoff series before this is not well I guess even Alec Burks has been there I can't think of a good example right now Doug McDermott <laughs> this is not Doug McDermott sure this yeah. is not Doug McDermott returning to the Indiana Pacers after being on the the horrible San Antonio Spurs this is a guy who played for consistently what was every year a playoff team in Utah for the first five or six seasons of his career um, and then has been in Brooklyn, even has you know some familiarity with Kevin Durant, although he never played a playoff series with Kevin Durant. So absolutely, Royce O'Neal in his career has 44 playoff games and 29 playoff starts, an average yeah. of 31 minutes per game logged in the playoffs. And this is a guy who, you know, we can debate our expectations for him um, you know, in, in like more detail in a second, but I think we're basically only expecting him to play like 15, 20 minutes. If he yeah, can give you any be, more than be that, be better I think it's than KBD. He's, he's right? really exceeding <laughs> expectations, right? So you're yeah. getting a guy who's averaged for his career 31 minutes per game in the playoffs. That's a great place to start. Yeah, and I think most hardcore NBA fans are pretty familiar with him in that he's been on playoff teams. That's kind of how you get to know these guys if you're not a fan of the Nets or a fan of the jazz. I think those are the two fan bases that probably know him the best. Um, at this point, would you be surprised to know that the nets have a higher net rating when Royce O'Neal is on the court than Mikael Bridges or Cam Johnson? Um, mm, that's interesting. I am not sure I would be surprised by that, by, uh, Mikael Bridges, maybe a little bit by Cam Johnson. No, Cam Johnson's had a pretty rough season. Um, yeah, I was surprised. Well, I, the thing is, Mikhail's really good, but he's just real, really ill-suited to play the role that he's playing in Brooklyn, so it doesn't lend itself to, like, he's not the net rating yeah. king that he used to be on the Suns, you know? Yeah. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We know Rose O'Neill. We, to some extent, know David Roddy, but I wanted to quiz you on a couple of things on both of these guys since we have the opportunity to talk about them for the very first time in great detail here. So I pulled a few stats and I wanted to get your guesses for what these stats are. Royce O'Neal, 30 years old, has been in the NBA, I don't know how many seasons, I'm guessing seven? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Eight? One, two, three, four, five, six. This is his seventh, seventh season. Seven, okay. What do you think his career high, don't look it up, in, <laughs> I won't in, look it up. in points is? Um, that's fascinating. So we're talking about a guy, well, let's do it in a way that to people who have less familiarity with his yeah. game, we're explaining we're kind of doing the scouting as we yeah. answer the questions, right? So we're talking idea. about a guy... He doesn't dribble. <laughs> who's who's not really a dribbler, who's yeah. not a confident finisher. Uh, is I think like, 89% of his attempts this year are three-point attempts, for uh, example. Yeah, I think it was 80, 83, but that's 83, still, a, thank you. still yeah. a shit ton, right? So basically only takes threes at this point of his career, but even in his so-called athletic prime, was never really a confident finisher. So he's just a shooter, right? I'm going to say 24 yeah. His career high in points is 20 points. Okay, wow. He's done it three times, including, for some reason, twice against the Chicago Bulls and then one time against the New York Knicks. Lower than I thought. Like, usually guys who have been in the NBA seven years just had one game where they scored, like what you thought, 24 points or something like that. Um, what do you think his career high in assists are? In a single game? Yeah. Eight. Good guess. It's actually, believe it or not, 11. Wow. Okay. And he had a triple-double. That's cool. This season against Portland. Wow. I had in November, no idea. Where he had, me neither. Where he had 11 points, 10 rebounds, and 11 assists. A really good game. Averages. And also kind of interesting for a guy who might end up setting a lot of screens for somebody like Kevin Durant. Yes, it's a great point. Averages 2.8 assists to just one turnover per game this season. For a wing, a small forward who plays like 20, 25 minutes a game, that's great. He's always had a great assist-to-turnover ratio. He's always been a good connective piece, and I think yeah. it's a really good point on your part. Look, James Jones has always liked these types. He's always gravitated towards the, we're going to play .5 basketball, we want everyone on the floor to make smart decisions, yada, yada, yada. Um, but Royce O'Neal, I think, really does embody it in a way that that a lot of the guys we brought in this offseason didn't, even though maybe they did a little bit more on paper, but in practice did not. Uh, Royce O'Neal can set screens, and or he could flash to the middle if like the defense is playing a zone or something, and facilitate out of that position. He could do uh, a, a good job of it. Um, I know he can also like, you know, 
make successful entry passes and like, you know, find Kevin Durant in the post or he can bring the ball up himself, which is something that this team is willing to let absolutely everyone do. As we've seen, even Yusuf Nurkic gets to bring the ball up and initiate a set from time to time. So uh, I think he's going to fit right in in terms of what this team's playmaking identity has become, which is that, as you've said a million times, everyone does everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was surprised that the assist number was that high. I think there's there's just times where players have games where they're just really finding guys, maybe the way the defense is covering them. Maybe it's a zone where you're out in the middle and you're passing to shooters, or maybe you're setting a lot of screens. I imagine I'd like to go back and find those highlights. I imagine he's setting screens and probably making passes from the middle, which would be great for the Suns. Last one for him. Career high in a single game, three-pointers made. Uh, what do you think? Well, Let me his, just mention, too, by the way, two teams that really launch from three were his last two teams in Brooklyn and Utah. Those two teams just shoot a ton, and, and it's good for the Suns to get a player that's sort of used to that because they need a little bit more of that absolutely. on their team, which they, especially they need, after we've seen somebody like KBD who has a slow shot, maybe a little shy to shoot, tends to want to... Uh, attack a closeout or Yuta Watanabe who completely lost his confidence on that shot. Yeah. Um, so now they have a guy who he's been launching for a while. I mean, honestly, uh, well, okay. I'll start with answering your original question, right? Which is if his career high in points is 20, I'm going to guess six made threes. It's, that's exactly right. That would be 18, which, right. which was funny, right? Because that's what Booker's is. Oh, that is, that is funny. I didn't think about that, but yeah, <laughs> like a good Royce O'Neal game is going to be, he catches fire from three. He makes yeah. six threes. And then maybe he gets like a transition layup and that's how he yeah. gets to 20 <laughs> yeah, points. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that's what his game is, right? But what's mm-hmm. so interesting about it is, you know, naturally we have the tendency to contrast his game, I think, with Grayson's because we know a lot of what Royce is bringing is that defensive edge that maybe we're concerned a little bit that Grayson can't bring against bigger matchups and, and that's going to be important. Um, and so maybe he's going to even take some of Grayson's minutes in the playoffs. I don't know. It's possible that that happens. It's possible that it doesn't. But... It doesn't always have to come at the expense of Grayson. It's interesting that you mention, like, if we have seven rotation players now who we really, really believe in, and then the other couple of spots for the playoffs, we're still figuring it out. Well, occasionally, you can have Book or Beal as the point guard, but then you can throw Eric Gordon and Grayson Allen and Royce O'Neal all out there at the three wing. Like, they could play together, and there's a shit ton of spacing uh, and a shit ton of guys on the floor at once who you know are just going to launch threes, which is great for this team. It doesn't have to be either we've got Grayson out there to launch all our threes or we've got Royce O'Neal out there to launch all our threes. Uh, and, and you know, it's going to be like 24 minutes of one, 24 minutes of the other. They can stack these guys together in a way that they're really getting a compound effect on their spacing and taking a lot more threes, playing a lot more of a modern offense than they currently sometimes are. Yeah, it's weird. It's really hard to figure out how tall he is. <laughs> He's listed 6'4 in some places. He's listed 6'6. Yeah. Six, six. yeah. In some other places, there was a clip kind of making its rounds immediately after the trade of, of him and KD talking before the last uh, game in Brooklyn. And uh, he looked more like he was 6'6 six, six in that clip than he than he looked like a 6'4 guy. Like he looks taller than Bradley Beal, for example. Um but yeah, it's it's just kind of weird. Uh, he he plays in my mind. He was six six. Like when in I think mind, about him as as a player, he plays like a six six player. And and let me just yeah. bring some evidence to that. His top five matchups this season, who he's guarded, 
the in terms of like the most possessions, right? I'm gonna throw some names at you. Mm-hmm. One, Jimmy Butler. Two, Chris Stapps yeah. Porzingis. Keep in mind, obviously, Eastern Conference yeah. player. These are mostly gonna be Eastern Conference opponents that we're talking about. Jimmy Butler, Chris Stapps Porzingis. Chris Stapps is crazy, yeah. Number three, Paolo uh Bancaro. Number four, this is important, Mike. This might even be why they made the trade. Number four, Kawhi Leonard. Number four <laughs> on the list. Do you want to, real quick, before I get to number five, do you want to guess? what? And, and these stats are not always like 100% reliable, right? The, so, yeah, the matchup stats. These are the NBA matchup stats. So oh, I, I was just going to look that up. Okay. I partially throw it out in jest. What do you think Kawhi Leonard shot when guarded by Royce O'Neal uh, this season? In well, like considering Kawhi has been shooting like many. 50 50 something percent i'm gonna guess it's slightly lower than that based on how excited you appear to be how how i'm wording it it's two for six (laughs) 33 percent wow he's the Kawhi stopper we got it stopper this is this is why they made the trade they looked at that we did it james jones you son of a they saw he's logged 30 possessions on Kawhi this year Kawhi shot two for six he shot 33 percent if you just extrapolate that over a seven game series you know work's done fellas yeah. We did it. <laughs> we, we solved it. All right, so number four, Kawhi Leonard. Number five, this one's not as impressive. It's Kyle Kuzma. But that's yeah, a lot of guys. Yeah. That's a lot of guys who are clearly not six foot six that he's guarding. That's a Mostly lot of guys. power forwards, yeah. A lot of guys who are six seven on the low end to like seven foot in the case of Chris Stapps. It's a pretty good sign, and, and I would say bodes well for what the Suns expect Royce O'Neal to be able to do on the defensive end. And, you know, it's surprising he doesn't have... You would think he would have like a seven foot wingspan when you think about that six nine. I just looked that up, but he's he's smart, he's strong. Uh, you know, I think Dan, when we were talking about him on our podcast, if if you hadn't heard it yet, uh, mentioned that he's a little slower than he used to be, so he's not quite what he used to be defensively. Um, but smart and capable and strong, I think, will go a long way on this team without a lot of strong guys and and being surrounded by a lot of other players who are can be very smart defensively i think that would benefit him a lot strong um, th- and capable and strong with the combination of a little bit of, like just more offensive confidence than a guy like Yuta ever had yeah um and and just the confidence coming from the fan perspective of a guy who's not going to fuck up and turn the ball over a lot so it's kind of the best of both worlds of a bunch of what well, the idealized versions of the wings that we were trying to sign uh, yeah. this summer, I really think that's what Royce is going to be. I think we'll probably get to see them play. Obviously not tonight. People who are listening to this are probably already know the outcome of the Utah game where Bradley Beal is questionable and, and Devin Booker is out and they're missing four players. That's going to be a brutal game for the Suns, but that's what happens when they schedule games on the day of the trade deadline. Something the Nazir Little takeover. It starts now. Imagine. Okay, real quick. We now that he knows we're confident in him, yeah, as an organization. Well, so Nazir Little is on a four-year deal, which is kind of crazy, right? So he's got a long, he's got a, a long time left on this team potentially. Um, they could, of course, try and trade him again next year. But how funny would it be if Nazir Little just like goes off now for the rest of the season, has a crazy final 30 35 games and and just plays himself into like a much higher trade value bracket would be pretty Royce O'Neal takes him under his wing turns him into a, a Royce O'Neal type player yeah I like this fan fiction I mean he's writing. still he's still only what is uh what is this year little 23 23 youngest player in the Suns by far I believe well that's I not guess true Bull Bull is about the same that's right not true there's one player who's younger on the Suns and I just created an awesome segue for you dude because his name <laughs> Is David, David Roddy. Roddy, and he's 22 <laughs> years old. Let's talk about That's David right. Roddy. 
Well, let me ask you one question right away. Is David Roddy going to play in the playoffs for the Phoenix Suns? Um, I, I think if David Roddy plays in the playoffs for the Phoenix Suns, one of two things has happened. He has had some sort of uh, insanity run that has morphed <laughs> him into like, like an incredible, you know, I don't know. He, he's like become our Grant Williams or something for Boston last year and just is like super useful in the playoffs. I'm not sure. Uh, or we're in trouble and he's playing because of injuries. Those are the two possibilities. Well, Shamshrania said he's going to play, so... He said the Suns got two players to bolster their playoff rotation, <laughs> including David Roddy. So we'll see. He's got the sources. Now, he's he's just too young right now and, and not a capable shooter. Huge as far as just actual weight and strength. Massive. Big body Roddy. That's his nickname. Uh, just a massive dude that the Suns have. Only listed at 6'4", but obviously with that kind of width, if you will. Um it's like Ish Wainwright. You you can potentially guard guys that are bigger than you just with strength if they're trying to back you down yes. or something like that. And maybe the Suns can find a role for him and, and find a way to develop him over time if they want to keep him long-term. They could re-sign him, those kinds of things. Well, um, yeah. But I think it's it's likely that this was the type of thing that was done to facilitate getting Royce O'Neal on this team. That's, no that's doubt. my impression this, of it. This was just the player who kind of made the Royce O'Neal. And I know they were two separate moves, and David Roddy's salary was absorbed into... Um, the Dario Sharge trade exception, but this was just the player that Memphis was sort of willing to give up in the deal, I think, as yeah. part of that, those pick swap um, rules. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, David Roddy, what, what, what else can we say, man? I guess here's what I would say. It's fair to make the physical comparisons to Ish Wainwright because that's effectively yeah. what he is. Yeah. I do think it's important to point out in his slight defense uh, that Ish Wainwright is not capable of some of the 20-plus point scoring outbursts that David Roddy has had in his career. He's only been in the NBA for a season and a half with Memphis and already, I mean, I'd have to look it up for you because I don't have it written down here, but he has pulling it up right now. Okay. He has not scored 20 points yet this year, but he's had Wait. 19. What do you have it already? His career. <laughs> I have high? some quizzes. I have some quizzes okay, okay. for you. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to jump ahead. You can quiz me on David Roddy. Go ahead. Let me just say though, I, I, while you were talking, I just typed into Google, David Roddy play football. Um, and he did. No surprise there. <laughs> but I just thought if they're going to mention it uh, on the broadcast, that we might as well check. Uh, David Roddy was a three-sport athlete. <laughs> David Roddy, Bills, tight end, <laughs> enter. Uh, All-state quarterback. Wow. In in football. Uh, so just, just throwing that out there if he ever makes a long pass. We'll, we'll get K Ray to mention that on the broadcast at some point. Um, David Roddy's played two seasons in the NBA, not even two seasons, really. Uh, was a first round pick, surprisingly. Uh, Royce O'Neill, of course, played seven. What do you think David Roddy's career high is? Seems like you have a pretty good roundabout guess based All on right, what you All right, so just his said. season high is 19 this year. Um, yeah. I'm going to guess he did. I think he did better last year. I'm pretty sure he had like 25 in a game at one point. 24. Okay. In 23 minutes, he shot 10 for 13 against the did Dallas Did Ish Wainwright ever score 24? I don't think he did. I think he may have, to be honest. There was that one I don't think he did, Spurs though. game. Maybe. Uh, where, I, don't, I don't think he did, though. Ish really could not put the ball on the floor, and David Roddy yeah. can. What, Roddy's problem, and so this is where it kind of diverges 20 between the two. is Ish Wainwright's career high. Well, I just want to point out, David Roddy shoots threes. He doesn't shoot threes well. He shoots them at a 30%, 30% clip. 30%, yeah. But the difference between Roddy and Wainwright is that Roddy comes from a college background, and this was why he was a first-round pick. Yeah. He fits into that really awkward 
NBA player mold that we've seen before. I compared him to Grant Williams before too, of like guys who at the college level are just physically imposing, yeah. but have the personal misfortune of being like six five when NBA scouts really want them to be like six nine, six ten, right? Like if David Roddy was six ten, he would have been a lottery pick and there would have been probably a lot more belief in his ability to, you know, play an NBA skill set and, and like do a lot more things as a four or five. But as a six six guy, a lot of those moves you can get away with in college if you go back and like watch his college tape where it's like, you know, two forceful dribbles into some six foot four weaker prospect into like a turnaround fadeaway from 12 feet out. <laughs> that shit works at the college level and it does not work when you're six six and you get to the NBA. There is there are like very few defenders yeah. who are phased by that sort of stuff. So I Tell think that that's to Taylor Horton Tucker. That well, who knows? Maybe you could be <laughs> Taylor Horton Tucker for us. That would be great. But there are, you know, a lot of, I, I think that's why he struggled to really find right, his footing in the NBA. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have some skills uh, and that, like, all hope is lost for him to, to very find young. his footing. Right. Um, assists, career high in assists. For David Roddy, four. Yeah, it's not as exciting to guess. It's Three. five. Okay. Um, yeah, so there was no, no, like, big surprise 11 assists like there was with Royce. Um, and what about three-pointers made? I'll give you the same question as I gave you for Royce. Five. Five is exactly right, yeah. No surprise there, there as somebody who scored 24. He's probably going to get to the basket a little bit more than Royce, like you talked about at a young age. He's capable of driving the ball. Now, I, I can't imagine They're he's going to get a ton, a ton of playing time, but like, there's also <laughs> well, also, there's also nobody on the bench right now, so he might. I would have loved, I mean, I know this is impossible, but man, I would have just loved to see him tonight when we're shorthanded. Just like yeah. go out there and give us 30 minutes against the Jazz. Let's see what you can do. But I think it's going to be interesting too. Like There are teams in the NBA now, you can look around the league, and there are some teams that just never post up because they don't have to or they don't really have... Uh, a, a player who knows how to. The Suns are not one of those teams because they have Kevin Durant and mm-hmm. to a lesser extent because of Devin Booker. Uh, mm-hmm. But technically they have David Roddy too. And I can't, I can't foresee him getting a lot of playing time and being like really entrusted with those post-up possessions <laughs> as like, we, David Roddy, we are giving you the ball on this possession and we want you to go to work. But it would kind of be funny to see him like give it his best effort from time to time, even if only as, say, like a victory cigar, if that's what he becomes. Yeah. Is there a world where Royce O'Neal starts for the Suns? Yes, there is. Yeah, especially um, especially I, in the playoffs. Like, I think they're not going to change the starting lineup anytime soon. I think... But I could see there's certain teams where they're like, we're going to get Royce in the starting lineup, play him 30 minutes in this game because of for the sure. matchups. Now, that being said, I really do think the Suns value the continuity that they're currently getting with with how many starts they've gotten from Grayson at this point and how many starts and minutes he's racking up with the big three. I think they do because the results are so good with that lineup. If Grayson and knock on wood that this doesn't happen, I hope you heard that. um, Mm -hmm. If Grayson shoots 30% from three for the rest of the season and just all of his, you know, shooting pre all-star break turns out to just be luck. Then eventually, yeah, at a certain point you could, you could go with Royce, but I hope that doesn't happen. Last thing to talk about, buyout candidates. This is the time of year where you get to figure that out. The Suns have two roster spots. They traded four players. They got two back. That means they have the ability of signing two players. They need to sign at least one. They have to get up to 14. I think they have two weeks before the deadline to do that. Um, They could sign two guys. A couple of guys who are now available. Furkan Korkmaz was just 
uh, bought out. Somebody that we talked about even as a trade candidate in a previous <laughs> podcast a few weeks ago. Six seven for like shooter. Is, yeah, we, that would have been like a absorb into a trade exception, maybe it's, a protective second round pick. A lot more convenient to just sign him as a free agent. That's for sure. It's true. Uh, Thaddeus Young, someone that we've talked Whoa. about for what is this the fourth year in a row that we're talking Wait. about Thad Young? Thad Young was bought out. I missed that. Uh, there, you missed that. That's what we had a conversation okay. before we started recording. That's one you missed. Wait. Uh, Daniel House is another one, and then uh, Corey Joseph was another one that I think Suns fans are mentioning. Not super exciting for me, but understandable why I think if you want a point guard on the team, I understand why somebody would mention Corey Joseph. He was bought out as well. Um, Otto Porter could be bought out. He was traded to the Jazz. Danilo Gallinari could be bought out. Uh, you know, with Fontecchio now on the Pistons, and the Pistons have too many players on their roster currently, I believe. They're probably going to need to at least buy out one player. Maybe it's Gallinari. Chetty Osmond is another we've talked about. Has not yet been bought out, but we can see a world where he's bought out from the San Antonio Spurs, but of the guys who are available, Cork Maz, Thad Young, Daniel House, Robin Lopez, Robin Lopez. I'm not also, excited about him, but I'm yeah. not excited about Robin Lopez either. I just know some people have brought him up. Got to bring him up, man. Yeah. You don't like my Killian Hayes idea. You're just totally against Killian Hayes. Yeah, he's bad. He's bad. He's not that <laughs> bad. He's he's not that bad. He's pretty was bad. It, was it just Monty holding him back? That's the That's real true. question. That's true. We need to see him with Aiton to find out for sure. He, he can play make and he can defend. I believe that he can do those two things. And in fact, I believe he can do those two things better than Saban Lee can. And Saban Lee can't shoot either. There's uh, probably five or six combinations of the guys that I listed that I would do before getting Killian to Killian Hayes. Yeah. All right. That's fine. That's fine. I, I'm, look, I'm just saying we got two spots to fill. We lost Jordan Goodwin, who is a guard. So it wouldn't be, in my opinion... Hopefully we're getting Damian Lee back, but it wouldn't be the um, the worst thing in the world if one of those two spots was filled ultimately by a guard. I do think you could easily justify just adding a wing and a big as well, uh, but you could get a guard and Killian Hayes. Corkmaz and Thad Young, right? That would be the ideal. Killian of these Hayes guys. is the best guard available right now. To finish <laughs> my point, is there a better guard on the buyout market? Can you think of one? I, I think with his complete lack of shooting, I just can't imagine he just plays minutes for the Suns at all. Um, but I don't know. Corey Joseph is probably not that different uh, in my mind. Did Corey Joseph uh, get waived too, or did yeah, he get, yeah, did he get traded? He did get bought out. Yeah. Oh, and then bought. He out. was traded okay. and bought out. Gotcha. Yeah. See, I missed. I missed all this stuff right after the deadline. Um, yeah. I like Corkmaz. I don't really care about between him and Daniel House. I'd say it's a wash. Yeah. Uh, also, as a Corkmaz is just such a better shooter. I think I would pick Corkmaz. I know. I said I, I don't fully believe in Daniel House's defense anymore. So, um, I I wish we could have had PJ over either one of those guys. So it's a shame that he's not moving. Uh, and by the way, he bought out on his Instagram. He was, uh, complaining very loudly about the situation that he's been put in. It seems like him and his agent may have expected a trade, maybe even a trade that allowed him to be bought out. I think there's a chance that the Clippers are playing really hardball with him to try to get him to drop that, uh, second year option so they could buy him out right now. And maybe that's still on the table for him because it just wouldn't surprise me. I believe, in Th- I believe in Thad Young. Of all the guys you listed, <clears throat> honestly, Thad Young's probably my, my number one. And I know he's, he's a old. great fit. I know he's so old. But yeah. like at worst, he occupies the spot that Chemezi Metu was just in where he can be your four or five. Yeah. And at best, he can't supplants. Shoot, but yeah. Well, he can't really shoot. Yeah, no, you're right. He can't really shoot. Yeah. Um, but like 
at best, he supplants Drew Eubanks as the main backup five. That's exactly now, I right. I don't think that's super likely that he would do that, but it's possible that he would do that. I think he could play backup five, maybe not every single game, but enough that you it would warrant giving him a look on this team. And I think it just gives you potential options if if players start becoming injured. Um, and how about this? You know, it doesn't seem like the Suns have any interest in playing Bowl Bowl at center right now, too. They they've done that yeah, maybe that's, that's ten minutes point. total this season. So, if you're willing to do it with somebody like Thad Young, who's a good passer who can play in he's the middle of the floor passer. and at the top he's, of the key the same way that Nurkic does, and like he's not going to roll, he's not going to catch lobs, he's not going to do the things that Nurkic can't do, but he can do a lot of the stuff that Nurkic can do just with a smaller body and we, probably a more mobile body defensively. We've been complaining all season long about the turnover issue. Thaddeus Young this season so far he's only played 23 games he's he's in Toronto's rotation sometimes he's injured but also he doesn't play every game he's got 50 assists to 11 turnovers as a power <laughs> forward center yeah in like at, 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 at the age of 35 he's really good at that and so you know if you just go fully into committing we're only going to play smart basketball players from here on we traded all of our dumb untalented players <laughs> and we're and we're replacing them with guys who maybe aren't the most athletic but who aren't going to make mistakes in Royce O'Neal and Thaddeus Young would yeah. be uh, a, a pretty impressive haul, honestly. Just really quickly, because you mentioned Bull Bull, two things. One, amazing that Bull Bull survived. Uh, I Like, well-deserved. And that because, we're excited about that. It's, yes. The, so many of our opinions have flipped this season. Yeah. Entirely well-deserved. But I think uh-huh. at the start of the season, after his first couple of appearances, we would have said, if we have to cut anyone this year, it will be Bol Bol first. He and we did surviving. say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then it, it turns out to be that he survives, like, four other guys getting cut beneath him. And then he's still there. And then the other guy who's still there that I just want to give another shout-out to, Damian Lee easily could have been included in that trade to match salaries for Royce O'Neal. And I think it's a big deal that he wasn't because I think he can still actually come back and yeah. and play real minutes for this team. Um, it might be a little bit less necessary now that you have so much shooting with O'Neal and Gordon and uh, and Grayson Allen, but I, I think he could still play. And I, I think that demonstrates some faith that the FO still has in him too. I'd be very happy with that, Young. I think that's the best option that they have right now. Um, look, I understand when you sign an older player that's sort of at the end of his career, there's always a chance that it's over. So there's there's a risk that you'd be taking there. But there's also a chance that he's just a guy that when you need somebody to play due to injuries can step in and be serviceable long enough for players to get healthy and come back and play. And sometimes you need guys like that on a team, and if you're relying on young guys to do that, they're going to be up and down. It's not always going to be pretty. And somebody like that young can be good in those scenarios. The Suns, like I said, they only need to get up to 14 players. They should have 15. This is a scenario where this team has been injured enough. Fill out the roster, Matt Ishbia. I understand you're spending a lot of money on this team. I understand. Fill out the roster. Get all 15 guys. Sign Thad Young. Sign Daniel House. Sign Furkan Korkmaz. Preferably Thad Young and one of the other two, not any options of those three. And if Otto Porter becomes available... Maybe Otto Porter and Thad Young <laughs> get really old <laughs> and and figure it out from there. Quick, um, but uh, give quick, them options if they have to run to the end of that bench. Crazy stat for you right here. Thad Young is the third 
he's he ranks third on the active list of most career games among NBA players. Wow. Do you do you know who number one and two are? This should not be too much of a surprise, but you might have to think about it. Uh, Chris Paul and LeBron James. Yeah, number two, Chris Paul. Number one, LeBron James. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kevin Durant is number thirteen. Wow. Now, I would think he'd be higher. He's gonna miss pass, the whole season, I guess. He's gonna pass a lot of these guys. Uh, I think. Like, you know, he's 20 games behind. Well, James Harden's right ahead of him, you know, going to keep playing too. But he's like 20 games behind like Al Horford and Kyle Lowry, Rudy Gay, guys like that who he'll pass very soon. But yeah, Thaddeus Young, number three, 1,162 career games. Well, he was the like original Iron Man, right? Where he didn't miss games for like a full season. I think there was yeah. a time where that was that was the story on, on him. Uh, so that would be very, uh, that would be very cool. Also, there's just something about... You know, us having talked about Thad Young as an option for years, it would just be kind of fun <laughs> to cover him after how much we've done research about him as a player and uh, his type of game. And I think probably the best fit for him so far as far as allowing him to play make in a way that other teams, Chris Paul teams, maybe would not have allowed. Um, so, yeah, they, they have options now, and I think they have time to, to do that very soon. And I have a feeling a lot of these guys are going to get snapped up pretty fast, so we'll know. Maybe even by the next podcast that we record. Last thing I want to say, it gets really complicated from here for the Suns. They're a second apron team, and all of those rules that were not in effect this year are now in effect now that this deadline is over. There's a good chance, and you have to factor in, by the way, Devin Booker's extension kicking in, meaning that there's like three Suns players making over $45 million next year. There's a good chance that whatever happens in the offseason, nothing will happen <laughs> at the trade deadline next year like that'll just be the team because it becomes so difficult to make trades you can't aggregate players the 125 percent rule for those who understand that gets changed to the 110 percent rule just well limiting the amount of players that you can trade it's 110 now um, yeah so it's the 110 rule i think gets changed to the 100 rule like i don't think you can take on uh, a penny more than what you yeah. send out so like if we so, try and trade in a zero little salary uh, next summer and and he's or not next summer sorry next february and he's making six and a half million or whatever he is yeah or the um, summer yeah then y- you have to take back a player who's making less than six less. and a half million you can't do the kind of weird accounting that that you can do right now it gets hard it gets hard and, and rules, you know rules i guess let's, in some uh, ways just get used to hearing about it <laughs> if you're a Suns fan because it's going to be something that you know, on this podcast, we're going to have to talk about a lot. And on other podcasts, they're going to have to talk about a lot. And ultimately, it's not that fun uh, to talk about, but it's going to be we're not something alone. that's going to be, no. yeah, it's going to be a defining narrative for this team starting this summer. So uh, looking forward to that, Sam. Um, Royce O'Neal, David Roddy, welcome to the Phoenix Suns. Kata Bates Diop, Chemezi Metu, Yuta Watanabe, Jordan Goodwin. Sorry. <laughs> and I hope you have. A better career um, from here on out. Chmezi, I still love you. Uh, Jordan That's Goodwin. the guy you're going to miss, huh? Yeah. You're not. That's you're not the yeah, for, for sure. I mean, I, I'll miss Jordan Goodwin, too. I think he had good moments. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, David Roddy, welcome to Phoenix. Royce O'Neal, welcome to Phoenix. Let's go. All we right. Thanks, game. everyone. We for got listening. a game in half an hour here that all of you will have listened to by yes. the time you, you hear yeah. this. Let's yeah. go. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>